Good morning. <laughs> Welcome. We're so glad to see you. Let's all stand up and sing together. This first song is called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Read closely the words as you sing this morning for this song. It is it's one of my favorites.
We invite the children to come forward here to join us for a few moments of sharing, and the rest of you are invited to, to greet one another. Good morning. How is everyone today? Well, I have something to share with you this morning, and it kind of ties into our Bible verse today. And I don't know if some of you are familiar with, it's a magazine, but you can do it online now. But I remember growing up, there was this magazine called Highlights. Now, you might see it maybe if you go to the doctor's office, maybe your teacher gives some to you, or maybe grandma and grandpa. But I know... Um, Lauren and Natalie's grandma loves doing these um, types of, there's puzzles and stories and all sorts of things you can do. And Lauren's grandmother and Natalie's grandmother really enjoyed time doing these. When I was growing up, my favorite one was hidden pictures. I don't know if you guys have ever done this before. But usually it's a picture. There's an illustrator, a person who draws a pretty picture. Can you see that, Christy? And and then they have a list of different pictures. And you're supposed to find these pictures within the other picture. So I have a sheet to share with you today. But part of our Bible lesson today comes from Mark chapter 1, 36 through 37. And it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Our Bible lesson today tells us about a day when a lot of people were looking for Jesus. They were looking for Jesus because they needed something that only he could give them. So I'm going to tell you the story about when people were looking for Jesus. Jesus had been traveling around the countryside teaching, preaching, and healing the sick. He had become very popular, and everywhere he went, there were great crowds of people. They came to hear him teach about God's love and to be healed of their disease. One day, Jesus went to visit in the home of Simon Peter. When he got there, Peter's mother-in-law was very sick in bed with a fever. So they told Jesus about her right away. Jesus took her by her hand and helped her up. Immediately, the fever left her. She was healed and went in and began to fix dinner for everyone. The people heard that Jesus was at Peter's house, and a large crowd began to gather outside. People brought their sick friends to Jesus, and he healed many people who had all different kinds of diseases. The next day, Jesus woke up before anyone else did. He went outside, and he spent some time alone with his father in prayer. Later, Peter and the other disciples went looking for Jesus. When they found him, they said to him, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Jesus answered and said, Let's go to the nearby towns and villages so that I can preach there also, 
That is why I have come. So Jesus traveled all around Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing the people. Today, people are looking for Jesus. They are looking for Jesus because they, can, because they need something that only he can give them. Jesus gives us forgiveness for our sins and everlasting life. So part of the reason I gave you this puzzle was because it has its pretty picture. And then it has all these different pictures that you can find within this beautiful picture. But it also teaches you patience. And that's something we need when we're in search of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. So I give this to you today so as you look for all these different pieces in here in this picture, that you will remember that there are people and that we need to pray for them that are still searching for Jesus. Can you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Father, Many people today are searching for Jesus. We pray that today will be the day that they find him. Amen. Good to see everybody here on Super Bowl Sunday. If you're wondering what deeply spiritual matter we were talking about in the band just before we started singing was something about Eli Manning's unforgivable sin. I don't know. He didn't go to the Chargers. Is that what it was, Andy? That's what it was. Okay. All right. Just want you to know how spiritual we were this morning. It is good to see you here as we come for this time of worship um, and as we enjoy this cultural day that we all have ahead of us. Um, if you have a prayer concern that you would like to share uh, with us this morning, we invite you to do so by writing something down on the, an index card. We call it a prayer card, and we will collect those in a few moments and join you in prayer for uh, various and sundry concerns that are on your heart today. So raise your hand, and when you're done, lift the card back up, and our ushers will collect those. <clears throat> if the rain holds off, the teenagers will be involved in their 10th annual Super Bowl game, uh, and I think they're going to try to play right down here on uh, Arlington. Oh, I get turned around. All, anyway, on Arlington, down the little open field down there. Ball field, so uh, baseball field, not the football, not the stadium. But anyway, ho hope you'll just come down there and take part in that. Uh, let's see. An invitation to all women to the call of prayer and self-denial, 11 a.m. in our social hall Monday, February the sixth, and the guest speaker is uh, oh me, Amy Pelagia who's an international student ministry of Joshua's Way. I hope you will be here for that. This afternoon, our memorial children will be involved in their Make a Swish fundraiser. Uh, it's four o'clock right here in the Family Life Center. Um, and we give you an opportunity to, to make a pledge uh, of so many hundreds of dollars per, no, so much money per basket that the, that the children score. Uh, there are sheets like this available for you to sign up uh, to encourage them in their endeavors later today. We also will have some um, big 
containers like you might fix a lot of soup in uh, as you leave today. This is Super Bowl Sunday. We spell with a, a S-O-U-P-E-R, a way to raise some extra funds for the soup kitchen and ministries like that in our community. So we invite you to remember this as you exit. Next Sunday is uh, our annual Big Hug, Big Hug Sunday. So adults, make sure you attend Sunday school as the children's Sunday school classes will make a visit to your classroom with some treats and big hugs at the beginning of the 10 o'clock Sunday school hour. Uh, kids, remember that we will not have our regular Sunday night program tonight. Instead, join us in the gym at 4 o'clock for the annual Make-A-Swish fundraiser. Let's see, what else we got happening? Oh, we have... Um, some of you may have been here on January 1st, uh, the service at 11 o'clock. Ralph Johnson challenged the children that were there to act out that wonderful story, a parable in the Bible of the talents, where they're given something and, and return that plus additional things to the Lord. Well, I don't know if Ralph knew what, uh, what he was starting, but he has definitely started something. We have one uh, group of children selling candy bars, uh, and they've already quadrupled their money that Ralph uh, loaned them. Uh, he gave the ones that were there 50 bucks to, to sow as uh, seeds in some kind of a business enterprise. So uh, I say that so you'll know why these children are selling candy bars around here on Sunday morning. Um, the Shannon children, they aren't just helping pay the mortgage, although that's not a bad idea. Um, they really are acting out this parable. And uh, we have another one coming along. The Culbersons want to be involved in this, and so Sarah and Emma are going to be taking orders for homemade bread. And you may see that around here as you leave today. That will be a good thing. And uh, again, what a wonderful way for the children to learn about a parable by acting it out. You know, God gives us things, and and we're able to use what God gives us for his glory and return to him. So uh, encourage them, if you will. That would be a helpful thing. Are there other announcements we need to share? If not, would you raise your index cards up if you have finished, and we will collect them. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we do give you thanks for opportunities for learning. We're grateful for the children who are learning some valuable lessons in caring for others as they have been cared for by you. And we are thankful for this, Lord, and we pray that we would never shy away from the big challenge that is before us in the world of taking care of our brothers and sisters and helping them to join us in caring for others. We pray these special prayers for this day. We pray for your presence to be experienced by Roger Brown and his family as they struggle with his cancer treatments. May your grace grant him success we pray for the troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. 
We pray for a co-worker who lost her 29-year-old son suddenly this week. We pray for a grandmother battling lung cancer. And we pray for a family friend facing uh, circulation issues and possible amputation. We pray for Nancy Kiefer and Josephine Bernson. We pray for Betty West as she recovers from a recent injury. We pray for comfort and healing for Marilyn Haas and Michael Haas and Martha Gibson. We pray healing for Jane Berg as she struggles with breathing problems. We pray for a brother with health problems and spiritual problems. We pray for the Ridings family who lost everything last night in a house fire. We pray again for Nancy Kiefer and family and for Tina Kinnett. Lord, these are our prayers. We pray in the name of Jesus who invited us into fellowship with him and in the power of his name we pray as he taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When Jesus couldn't sleep. Lesson today is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Here ends the lesson. Do you ever have difficulty sleeping through the night? I love this cartoon. The chicks can't sleep. Have you been telling them Colonel Sanders horror stories again? <clears throat> well, perhaps you can um, fall asleep uh, okay, or maybe you struggle to fall asleep. But then you wake up a few hours later, wide awake about 4 o'clock in the morning, 
unable to get back to sleep. Now, when I was a child and couldn't sleep, it meant that I was very excited about something that was about to happen the next day. Christmas Eve was therefore a very bad night of sleep for me and my family when I was young. Nowadays, though, a sleepless night with me always means that I'm worried about something or pondering something, maybe a big decision. I hear our old Westminster chimes reminding me that I've made it through another 15 minutes and the facts of whatever it is rolling around in my head keep bouncing around keeping me awake. In our gospel lesson today, we see an occasion when apparently Jesus was unable to sleep. Now, although prayer was a very normal part of Jesus' life every day, the reaction of the disciples to Jesus' absence at breakfast showed that praying during the night was not something that they had seen Jesus do before. We're told that while, he was, while it was still dark, very early in the morning, Jesus woke up and he left the house where he was staying and went to a quiet place where he could be alone to pray. When the disciples woke up, they're clearly alarmed by Jesus' absence. What does this mean? Has he left without us? And so they went searching for him. I wonder what was on Jesus' mind that was keeping him from sleeping through the night. We're told that this happened right after they had left the synagogue in Capernaum where Jesus had really impressed people with his words and deeds by the way that he taught with such authority. There had been a man at the synagogue who was mentally ill, possessed by a demon, and Jesus had healed him. The news about Jesus spread around that community like a wildfire. And immediately after this, Jesus, along with James and John and Peter and Andrew, had departed from the synagogue to go to Peter and Andrew's home. There they found a very sick woman who happened to be Peter's mother-in-law. Now I will dispense with my usual urge to make a mother-in-law joke. They aren't so funny now that Penny and I are in-laws. But this does inform us that Peter was a married man. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9 that the other apostles, including Peter, were all married, as were Jesus' brothers, blood brothers. We don't know if Peter's mother-in-law lived with him all the time or whether she was just there because of the illness that had come upon her Maybe she needed to be there so that her daughter could take care of her. But in those days, a fever was often a precursor of a more serious illness, even something like death eminently occurring. And so it was really no small matter that Jesus healed her of fever. We think that, you know, take an aspirin. But in those days, Jesus healed her of a perhaps fatal disease. And she was able to immediately return to her normal, usual activities. Even housework became a joy for her after being sick. That has to be, she had to be real sick, right ladies? <clears throat> Sarah uh, Hendrick, who is a professor of New Testament at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, points out that Mark used a word that means that Jesus 
raised her up. That's beautiful Greek you see there. Um, I was in seminary and I had a professor that introduced us to a little Hebrew and a little Greek. The little Hebrew ran a clothing store and the little Greek ran a restaurant. But anyway, the translation says that Jesus raised her up. Uh, it's the same word that Mark used often in his healing stories, but he used it in Mark 16.6 to explain why Jesus' tomb was empty. God has raised Jesus up. It's the same word. Mark liked that word in connection with the healings of Jesus because it was a connection with Jesus' resurrection power. Uh, people were raised back up to take their place in the world and resume their duties. Now, our place in the world is to become servants of Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter's mother-in-law became. May we go and do likewise. Now, word of what had happened in the synagogue spread all over Galilee and the news of the sudden recovery of Peter's mother-in-law also spread from house to house in that neighborhood. As day turned toward night, Andrew and Peter's neighbors all came over to the house and gathered at the door. There were just so many of them, they couldn't come inside. They came to find Jesus, to ask Jesus to heal their sick loved ones. And Jesus did just that. He healed a great many people of a great number of different diseases. He even cured the mentally ill of the community. Of special note in this story is the fact that normal people, even the experts in the law, were very slow to recognize that Jesus was the Son of God. But that wasn't true of the mentally ill. They knew immediately who Jesus was. And their lack of inhibition and their proclamation regarding Jesus they knew who he was, we're told, was such that Jesus would not let them talk. It's interesting to wonder why Jesus did not want them to tell other people who he really was. And it's also interesting to read through the Gospel of Mark and see how often Jesus said to people, don't tell about me. Go show yourself to the, to the temple, uh, to, the, to the priest, but don't tell others about me. Probably the reason was that fame would be more of a handicap to him than an asset. And that brings us to Jesus' sleepless night. Now I have lost many nights sleep worrying about some particular problem in churches where I have been appointed pastor. In one church, I had two factions that I thought were going to take up arms against one another and start shooting most any day. And I knew that if, and this is where it gets threatening, you see, I knew that if I couldn't bring peace to that church, the bishop would find somebody who could, and I would be on my way. Later, I was sent to another church that was hemorrhaging members. And I knew that if I couldn't stop the exodus, the bishop would send me on my way to Podunk Circuit. That's a famous place. And appoint someone else there who could fix it. Still today, most Saturday nights are not good nights of sleep for me because I fall asleep while I'm thinking about my sermon. And I notice some of y'all do that too. <laughs> the point is that when I cannot sleep, it is because I am wrestling over some failure 
or the prospect of a failure that I might be facing. But Jesus couldn't sleep because of his successes. Numerous healings, meaningful sermons, rising popularity. What's wrong with this picture? Why couldn't he get a good night's sleep? I heard a wise pastor say one time, I find it very difficult to be both humble and successful. When I am successful, I'm not very humble. And when I am humble, I'm not very successful. That's true of the church of Jesus Christ also. We find it difficult to be both humble and successful. And I think that's why Jesus lost his night of sleep. Back in the 1970s, I was associate pastor of a rapidly growing church in Irmo, South Carolina. The church was averaging 40 new members per month. And the senior pastor and I were often getting undue credit for the growth. We must be doing something right. They called on us to speak at different places to tell our secret. Well, the secret was we were located in a good place. Houses were being thrown up all around us, around Lake Murray. You couldn't help but grow. You don't have to be a successful fisherman if the fish are jumping into the back of your boat. We didn't have to work that hard or even bother to go after those that were difficult to catch. It wasn't until after I left Irmo and was sent to three little churches at Saluda that I finally had to learn that I wasn't such a big shot after all. People weren't jumping in the boat. And I had to learn some tools of evangelism that I hadn't learned previously. My success hampered my ability to make disciples for Jesus Christ. The problem for any church is that when you're successful, you don't have time to examine what you're teaching and what you're doing and what you might be emphasizing that God's not real happy about. All that matters is that you're growing, you're successful, and you're raking in all this dough. And before you know it, you're in a huge church with a huge debt, and, and you wouldn't dare speak a prophetic word in your community for fear that the offerings would dry up and you'd start losing members. You know, a lot has been said across the years during my years of ministry, especially about the number of, me of members that the United Methodist Church has lost across the years. And I have to remember that the years I've been in the ministry coincided with the fact that the Methodist Church stood up and said, it's not right that we've made black people second-class citizens. It's not right. It's not right that we tell women they can't have equal rights with men. And we started ordaining women and, women and we, we mixed races together and our membership declined. It's hard to be successful and faithful to God at the same time. It's hard, but we're called to be faithful to God. I really think that that's what Jesus was wrestling. Oh, there's a guy catching fish. I could catch fish if they were jumping in a boat like that. Um, I think this is why Jesus uh, was wrestling uh, that night and losing sleep. He had already learned that he could be tempted 